I'm happy to see, I'm happy to see everybody. And uh, here we are in this strange time. And it's the week before Halloween, which feels very appropriate <laughs> this year. It does. I'm going to mute you. And uh, just so, not because I don't want to hear from you, but just to create a little bit more um, silence because my speaking voice is so soft. But I was thinking about Halloween because we tend to go through the motions of, uh, we put pumpkins out. Um, more tasteful of us. But in my neighborhood, I noticed that people actually also put out um, skeletons and fake cobwebs. And my favorite, these kind of body parts that protrude up through the, through the ground. So you'll see a hand coming up. And it, I can't help but wonder if they're really connecting with what that means or if it's just kind of seasonal decorating for them and the weirdest thing I ever saw was a big Catholic cemetery on Long Island where a fair number of my relatives are buried and it was decorated for Halloween so it had ghosts and had those rubber hands coming up out of the grave and I remember my then little daughter saying hello uh, aren't we supposed to be moving in the opposite direction in the Catholic cemetery it's so completely disconnected from from what this might mean but of course uh, the deepest root of Halloween. Ben, can you hear her? I don't think so. Um, the deepest root is that it's a Celtic festival that welcomes the dark time. It welcomes the coming of the dark. It's the Celtic name is Samhain. Samhain. And it's like a new year. But first of all, notice how it feels to think of welcoming darkness instead of pushing it away, extinguishing it with light, distracting yourself. But the, this is something fertile and something to be welcomed. And in ancient Scotland, they would have a custom, I've told some of you about, of extinguishing the fires of individual households and relighting the fires in a common bonfire. And it's extraordinarily touching to realize that this is what we do when we come here. Darkness includes our darker feelings, our grief, our anger. 
those were for people coming in. I was just talking about Halloween and, and the, it's Celtic root. Um, in ancient Celtic culture, they welcomed the darkness. So I actually should have begun that way. As you come in, I welcome you to bring your darkness with you. Your painful feelings, your grief, your fury. I welcome them. I don't just welcome them. I delight in them. Please bring them. Please let them be present. And notice how it feels even before we sit to have that darkness be fully, not just acceptable, but something wanted. Something wanted. And so as I wrote in my little dispatch today that some of you might have read, I've, I've never heard this addressed, ever. But it has to be the case that the Buddha grieved, that when he retreated to the forest, and he sat under the Bodhi tree. He was sitting with the loss of all his dreams. He was sitting with the loss of the life he knew. Can you relate to that? The life we used to live. It was gone for the Buddha. His relationship with his wife gone. And then the hopes and ideals that he thought would awaken him, it seemed to come to absolutely nothing. So disappointing. So he sat there in the darkness. And according to the scriptures, it was a darkness that lasted 40 days. Or maybe it was 47, but it was somewhere in the 40 ballpark. It was a long time. And as he sat there feeling, feeling this grief, feeling this loss, feeling the truth that things change, that people disappoint us, that people that we always trusted betrayed us. All of these things that had happened to him in its own way. This, this became what we call the Four Noble Truths. It wasn't some happy flight out of any kind of pain or discomfort. It was sinking down into it allowing himself to feel his grief, allowing himself to feel his disappointment, his anger. This has to be the case because what he discovered is that all our suffering is rooted in an attachment 
to things that change. People, relationships, a way of life. It's all subject to change and it breaks our heart over and over and over again. And then as he continued to sit there with this radical acceptance, this radical determination to just go on sitting and not settle for any kind of easy conclusion or answer. He penetrated to the insight that there's a kind of freedom that's possible. And I say a kind of freedom because it doesn't mean that we won't experience pain. It doesn't mean that our hearts won't break sometimes. It doesn't mean that our lives will be without difficulties and challenges. But what it does mean that there's a certain way of opening to life, to our lives, our embodied experience that brings us a kind of freedom and relief. And the essence of that freedom has to do with this acceptance. This acceptance, this is present, not resignation in the head, but daring to drop from the head into the sensation of the body. To know how it feels to be here right now. And moment by moment, beginning to feel that maybe sadness isn't the only thing inside us. But there's also a kind of warmth, a capacity for kindness, including to ourselves. That as we sit with our sorrow, our disillusionment, whatever form our suffering is taking, we notice that the quality of the awareness we're bringing to ourselves is luminous with a kind of kind acceptance. We couldn't see otherwise. It would just be judgment. And the minute we begin to judge, the seeing stops. You can see it for yourself. But we begin to discover that this practice offers us a way to accompany ourselves. Like a loving friend. And so moment by moment, we begin to see that we're more than our resistance. We're more than our defenses. We're more 
than our most painful stories and events. We're also this light of awareness that accompanies us. So I wanted to read just a piece of one of my favorite poems by Naomi Shihab Nye from Kindness. And it, it reads, before you know kindness as the deepest thing inside, you must know sorrow as the other deepest thing. You must wake up with sorrow. You must speak to it until your voice catches the thread of all sorrows and you see the size of the cloth. Then it is only kindness that makes sense anymore. Only kindness that ties your shoes and sends you out into the day to mail letters and buy bread. Only kindness that raises its head from the crowd of the world to say, it's I you've been looking for. And then goes, you, goes with you everywhere like a shadow or a friend. And I love that it includes shadow shadow. I was speaking with a good friend this week about the importance of daring to open to darkness, to your darkness. And she said, I love the word shadow because I once read that a shadow is what gets created when light hits something alive. To be alive is to have a shadow, to have suffering, to have grief. And this is a practice of finding a way, tiptoeing just at moments, past our defenses, so that we can know that we are also that light that accompanies us, that lets our feelings transform. So, so let's sit and take a comfortable seat and notice what's comfortable for you. And let yourself be warm, warm enough. And let your back be straight, as straight as it can be. And let your eyes close. And just let yourself notice how it feels to be here.
and without seeking to change anything, just notice. Let your attention touch the body. Notice that as you bring the attention to the body, you begin to relax, to settle. And welcome everything that you find tension, sorrow, joy. Fatigue, brightness, everything. Notice that as you settle, you also open. In the sense that you sense and feel and hear. And see that if you drift into thinking, you can gently come home back to the sensation of being in a body, breathing, completely acceptable, just like this.
notice that the stillness that surrounds us is alive. It's a presence that sees without judging. When you feel lost, let yourself come home to the body and go down, sink down into sensation, into the rhythm of the breath. And notice as you settle down and also open, you feel less alone. You're with life.
notice how it feels to be completely acceptable, just like this. And seen by the light of an attention that's warm, that doesn't judge. Notice that the stillness surrounds you and it's also inside.
Notice how it feels to grow down, to take root in your life, in the body, in sensation. That it allows us to open up. To see and receive. When we stray into thinking, know that this is completely normal and gently come back again to sensation, to this moment, 
to the light of an attention that doesn't judge. Noticing that there's a presence here. Not just thinking. That you are seen and received by an attention that isn't judging, that's welcoming.
Noticing how it feels to come home to stillness. And take root in life. to say that uh, yesterday um, I went down to Terrytown um, and met Douglas who's here. He was bringing a mic um, that I had given to him and we went to the yoga studio where many of us used to meet and it's closing and I went to say goodbye uh, to Kathleen, to the studio, and to pick up some cushions that had already gone, sitting cushions. But Douglas, had, we stood talking with Kathleen, and at one point he said, looking out the windows um, up the hill, he said, I just realized this is the last time that I will look out these windows and up the hill. And it was very poignant. Uh, and I realized this poignancy of loss and change is woven through all of our lives. And the beginning of this freedom, this kindness I spoke of, is realizing that everybody here has been touched by loss and by change and has lost a parent or a child or a friend or a lover or a relationship or a job or a home 
or a way of life. And that this is the beginning of ease. To know that it's not just you. That this is life. And that there is an attention that embraces this. So thank you for listening to me. And I welcome your questions or comments about practice, if you have them, about this practice or Halloween. Well, I'm glad you um, are talking about loss. And I've been uh, feeling for uh, quite some time uh, as if I were in mourning. I didn't, I wasn't in touch with what was going on for a while. And I realized that I, I was grieving. I was grieving like everything. And uh, interestingly, I too went to uh, Yoga Shivaya yesterday and um, and I really wasn't that interested in, in buying any of the stuff uh, she was saying goodbye to. Uh, I just wanted to go there and feel, and, and feel the studio again. And in my own way, say goodbye to it. And interestingly, I too walked over to the windows and looked up the hill and had the same set of thoughts that, you know, this is the last time I'm looking up the hill. But I didn't feel uh, grief. And, and I, I was happy about that. I didn't feel grief. I felt like uh, um, it's, it's possible in the future. You never know what will happen that she'll be back in that because that's such a wonderful space in that space. Unlikely, but possible. And uh, and everything changes, and I I felt um, it, it it really struck me uh, that the the practice that we do here uh, had uh, had it really had a very good effect on me, uh, and I spoke to Kathleen a little bit about it uh, about the grief and the, and and I feel badly certainly, but I don't. Much to my surprise, because uh, it was very, I've been with Kathleen from the first day she began teaching yoga many years ago. Uh, and she's still here doing that, um, but uh, I'm okay with it. And, uh, and it's this practice for sure that has helped me with that. Yeah. Well, thank you for that, and um, it's uh, it's helpful for all of us, even if you have never set foot in this particular yoga studio, um, because it's just a reminder that this is a practice for being with change. It really is, and. Um, for discovering, I once heard that spiritual practice is a preparation for death. 
And that can sound very gloomy until you begin to realize that we die and die and die and die in this life. We shed life after life after life after life. And instead of being something heavy or gloomy, there's this wild and unexpected joy that can begin to appear, this lightness, this warmth. When we begin to dare to trust that we're not defined by what we cling to, we're not defined by what we cling to, by our possessions or our seeming achievements or our relationships, but by something else. And that we begin to find it not by striving, but by meeting what's coming up with acceptance, refusing to reject. I mean, that's had a magical effect on me. When a difficult feeling comes up, some rage or something, this to introduce the idea that I refuse to reject this or I modify it or, or evaluate it or pronounce it excessive or something, but just to be with it. And with an attitude of love and compassion. You will begin to notice an opening. And the thought will come up, why doesn't anybody tell you these things? That, that you awaken downwards growing down like mushrooms or something, little sending out little filaments, little tiny little fibers of trust. Just for a moment. It's okay to be just like this. So let's sit, and um, you can place two hands together if you wish, or not, if it's not for you. And we dedicate our practice to all beings, all of us, including ourselves, 
understanding that all beings suffer loss and get what they don't want and don't get what they want, all its forms. And we open our hearts to all of us knowing that and offer the wish, may we all be safe and protected from harm, from pain, from danger. May we all be at ease with life in all its changes and transformations. And may all beings everywhere, with no exceptions, be free. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. I look forward to seeing you on Wednesday or tomorrow at the Reuben <laughs> if you want to come. Bye-bye. Take good care.